Amen. Please do take your seats. To be Christmas number one, that is the, the, the song that tops the UK singles chart in Christmas week, is considered to be a great achievement for many artists. And you might know that over the last five years, Nottingham has been closely associated with Christmas number one, as the, the couple behind Lad Baby live in Nottingham and have hit the top with their charity singles. And apparently uh, they weren't doing one this year, but apparently this year it was a very close race between Wham and Sam Ryder. Now, I don't think there was a singles chart in the very first Christmas, but there were actually plenty of songs. And we're going to take a look as we, as we actually listen to and hear Mary's song, her Christmas number one. And we're going to hear three things through this song. We're going to hear great rejoicing, great reverence, and great reversals. So firstly, great rejoicing from verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Do you hear how Mary's heart is bursting with praise and wonder, and that overflows from her lips? As she dwells on the greatness of God, it brings passion to her whole being. Mary saw that in the world's eyes, she was nobody from nowhere, but in God's eyes, she knew that she was known, that she was loved, that she was precious, and she was part of God's plans. And Mary knows that this experience and all that is to happen wasn't going to be limited to her personally. She knows that all generations will call her blessed, that these events will have an international and intergenerational impact. After all, you see, we are still here many miles away, 2,000 years later, and we are listening to her song. Now, I love many Christmas songs, but I doubt that in 2,000 years' time, human beings will still be listening to Wham and Sam Ryder and all the others. But here we are listening to her song. And whoever we are in the midst of our Christmas traditions and distractions and busyness, I wonder, do we share that sense this morning of wonder and of worship? Are our eyes glazed over in familiarity or are they wide open with awe? Does my soul glorify the Lord? Does my spirit rejoice in God, my Savior? Great rejoicing. Because, secondly, verse 50, there's great reverence. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. The Lord extends his mercy to those who fear him. 
Now, sadly, our definition of that word fear might mean that we bring some kind of negative connotations to mind when we hear that word. But yet the sense of that word here is, is more of a sense of reverent awe. Reverent awe. Being in reverent awe of the God who created us to know him, to love him, who wired us to be in relationship with him. Being in reverent awe of the God who gives his good gifts for us to enjoy and to enjoy him, the giver. But instead of embracing him, the whole of the human race, from our first parents right down to ourselves, in one way or another, we've all turned our backs on him. And the consequences have been devastating. We've turned away from God, the source of all that's good, the source of life. And we've tried to establish our, our independence. We've distanced ourselves from him. We've snatched the gifts and ignored the giver. Desert Island Discs is a, a radio program that's been broadcasting now for over 80 years. You might be familiar with it, or if you're of a certain generation and upwards, you might be familiar with it. And on the program, a well-known person is always asked, amongst other things, which eight songs they would take with them if they were to be cast away alone on a desert island. So if that was you, what would you choose? Which eight songs would you choose to take with you? Well, castaways, they're allowed to choose any, any music that they like, with the exception of one famous Frank Sinatra hit called I Did It My Way. Well, why is this song an exception? Well, it's because everybody wants to choose it. It would be played every week. And a BBC spokesman explained, my way is, is not banned, but in the past, guests have been gently encouraged to think of something else in order to prevent the song becoming a cliche. Because you see, the song that we want to be played over our lives is, I did it my way. I did it my way. I'm the center of our, my life. We want to distance ourselves from God and sing our own song. I did it my way. And that's really at the heart of what it means for us to be proud in our inmost thoughts, as Mary sings about here. We're not giving God the reverent awe that he is due. And yet we look at the world, and if we're honest, we look at our own lives, and we know that something's not quite right. Because as we all sing our songs of independence from God, after a while we realize that there are, there are clashes. It's out of tune. It jars. And we will only find true rest and purpose and forgiveness when we're singing in harmony with the great composer. And the good news of Christmas is that God has stepped into our world to bring us back to him, to close the distance, to bring us back home, to bring us rest, to bring us purpose, to give us a new song to sing. And he does that, thirdly, through great reversals. 
verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent, but has sent the rich away empty. He has remembered to, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. When God stepped into our world as a baby, as a human being, he wasn't born into a palace surrounded by all of the power brokers of the day. He wasn't surrounded by great wealth and possessions. No, he came to the humble, to the weak, to the hungry, to the despised. And it was a pattern that would continue all through Jesus' life. He came to people who were classed as sinners, whether they were wealthy or whether they were poor. He came to people classed as sinners and he forgave them and changed them. He came to the outcasts and brought them in. He came to people who saw their need of him. He came to those in that sense who were humble, who recognized their need. He came to people, whoever they were, who thought that they didn't deserve it, and he gave them the gift of grace. And we see in these verses, don't we, that Mary sings that God has brought down the rulers and lifted up the humble, that he's filled the hungry with good things, that he sent the rich away empty. Well, that's a nice thought. We might be thinking, oh, that's, well, that's a nice thought, but... But when we look around at our world today, that's not what we, what we see. The powerful are still powerful. The hungry are still hungry. Is this just wishful thinking? Well, before we dismiss Mary's song in that way, let's remember that Mary lived in a time of oppression and brutality. Mary would know more than pretty much everyone here about the reality of this broken world. So we can listen to her song because she knew that there was a glimpse of a new kingdom that was about to break in. A kingdom where the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the oppressed would be set free, where good news would be heard. And if we continued on in Luke's story of Jesus' life, we would see the life that Jesus lived and we would see all of these things happening. We'd see glimpses of glory, snapshots of a kingdom where the wrongs of our world are put right. Because Jesus came and he turned the world upside down and in doing so, put it the right way up. And you know, in the midst of all of this, there's a fact that's, that's actually quite easy to miss unless we've read this very carefully. It's easy to forget that Mary is singing her song before any of this has happened. As Mary sings, Jesus hasn't even been born yet. And yet she sings it in the past tense. All of this is still yet to happen as she sings it, but she is so sure it will happen that it's written in the past tense. It's as good as done. It's the prophetic past tense. Because Mary sang as she looked forward to a day ahead. She sang her song in the presence of, 
a Roman, Roman occupation. She sang her song in the midst of the poverty of her people. She sang her song in a world that was marred by injustice, by disease and by death, just as our own is. But she knew that in Jesus, the future had begun in the present. And we see that future as Jesus is born. We glimpse that future in Jesus' life. But to find the pinnacle of great rejoicing, great reverence and great reversals, we need to look to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that points us forward to another day when Jesus will return to this earth to wrap up history as we know it and bring his kingdom in in all its fullness. Mary sang her song with rejoicing. So tell me this morning, which song are you singing this Christmas? Which song will you be singing into the future? Are you still persevering with singing, I did it my way? Or will you come and bow in reverent awe before your God and sing in worship. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Lord, you are the great composer. And we confess that in our lives we try to sing our own, our own songs. And Lord, at times that sounded great. But then at other times, if we're really honest, we have begun to hear those duff notes. Lord, we try to ignore the, the clashes. And yet we know that there are parts that are very out of tune. Oh Lord, forgive us. And draw us back to you. Lord, we thank you that you give us a new song to sing in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we join with your people across the generations and all around the world singing that my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Amen. Amen.